Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today is an amazing mindset episode, and it's quite no nonsense. This episode could have gone on for three, four, five episodes, if I'm being 100% honest. So today's episode is with an online coach based up in Northern Ireland. So Rory Crosscurry has been an online coach for a while now, and he has blown up on social media through his no-nonsense and quite funny videos and reels that he puts out there about nutrition, about fat loss, taking the, the, the pace out of certain diets. And it's quite no nonsense and it's quite refreshing to see it. And I think it's it's what can be sometimes we take it out of the pace a lot, but the message is 100% correct in what he's saying. So we had an interesting conversation and loads of different things. So Rory had was with Man United in the academy for a while and he was in the same graduate class as the likes of Marcus Rashford, who you would have heard of if you're into football. He's in the likes of the same class as a few of the other guys that are still in the premiership, like Dean Henderson, Axel Twanzebe, Scott McTominay. So if you're into football at all, so he got released quite early on and got lost a little bit. So I can relate to that story. And we talk about identity. How did he lose it? Did he, how did, what way did he bring it back in? Then we talk about kind of fat loss in relation to is fat loss, is, is kind of fast isn't always better when it comes to fat loss. What to do, what to focus on if you are doing some sort of diet, how to not get overwhelmed with weight loss. We also talk about snacking in the evening and how to reduce that. We also talk about that just eating healthy isn't going to help you. And I think that's an honest, refreshing side of things that maybe hasn't been heard before on this. And then we also talk about where to watch out for, how to watch out for information and who to believe. Because there's so much, the calls I do, my welcome calls, my one-to-one clients, every single one of them is like, it's hard to know what to believe. And generally, what what the truth is, if it's so far left field or right field, then it's generally bullshit. So I hope you guys have enjoyed, enjoyed the episode with Rory and thank you to Rory for coming on and sharing his story and for sharing pretty decent information good morning good morning how are we sir not too bad thank you very much for having me on here no worries at all we could have we were chatting for the last 20 minutes about football so we could have <laughs> we could have <laughs> be a football podcast That's yeah, what we could have done. <laughs> uh, for anyone who isn't aware of who you are and what you do what's your name where do you come from yes i am Rory crossgree i am 20 Sick. I always have to think about this. I'm 26 years old. I always get caught up now. And I am from Castle Allen, which is a small town in Northern Ireland. County. Down. Um, I played football all my life until I was roughly at a good level. I played over in England until I was 18. Came home for a year, moved to America, got my scholarship, got my PT and qualifications, um, came home due to COVID and um, back to Northern Ireland. And since then, I have started a coaching business. And um, thankfully, it has got up and running. And that's basically me in a nutshell. <laughs> nice yeah, and simple. The, that's the shortest elevator pitch I've ever heard. Yeah, I, uh, there's, that's all I need to know. That's all you need. Exactly. Footballer to coach. <laughs> Footballer to coach. Yeah. And, and anyone who doesn't know, Rory played a very decent level. Rory was over at um, Man United's Academy. Um, you got what, released in what, 16, 17 or 17, 18? I always just know I always say I was 14 years old when I moved and I was 18 when I came back I never know the dates like I never know the year of what it was yeah um, and how like it must be tough because you're 14 you're kind of like you have no idea what you're doing as if you no. know, like, it must be tough going from 
Northern Ireland over to completely different country, um, completely different city on your own, and then going into where everything's done for you, and then coming out the other side. Like, did you? How was that kind of shift for you? It was mad. I remember the. I think it was the month before I moved over. They took me on another fall over to show us the school because they obviously still put us in the education and everything like. With big clubs over in England, they still want you to get your education to fall back on just in case football doesn't work out. So they took us over a month before and we went to the the school we were supposed to go to. And it was just a complete... I know England and Northern Ireland isn't too dissimilar. Like there is a lot of similar traits to it. But see, just culture-wise and like the way people get on and just being out of your comfort zone, it was a, it was a weird feeling. Like I knew I was going over to live my dream, obviously playing football, which I was so excited about. But when you're moving school, it's just not an easy thing to do. And it's all right moving school back home where like everybody's sort of the same, if you know what I mean. You know the banter, you know what way people get on. But when you're moving to England, it's just a completely different ballgame. So it was pretty nerve wracking. Um, but thankfully, I am quite a like outspoken person. And a, a, what do you call that? A, not an introvert. What's the, what's the opposite extrovert. of an introvert? Extrovert. I was going to say outrovert. <laughs> <laughs> an extrovert um so i would like chat quite a lot and sort of get to know new people and stuff which was probably the most positive thing about me so it helped me sort of make friends outside of football as well which uh, was quite a nice thing to do and what was the aftercare like for you um kind of when you kind of made when you got released or because i know you went from united i think you went back home and then you went to the states i think that's how it worked yeah I w- there wasn't much aftercare to be honest like this is I don't want to like put a downer on academies or clubs or whatever, but you're just another number to them realistically. Like there's thousands of kids coming through and maybe it's a thing of they don't have time to look after all these people that are leaving because there is so many. But realistically, the only thing they really done for me towards the end was make sure I got my coaching badges because I was going to leave early after I got released to go home and to get fit for obviously pre-season I've had any trials coming up and they made me get my coaching badges just something to fall back on as well. So that's the only thing I would say they really done with me. but. After that, it was there wasn't really much. Like it was pretty shitty the way that United done it with us because we had a very good academy team, as you've probably seen in the photos. There was like of Rashford, McTominay, Twanzee B, Dean Henderson, all these boys that are playing pro now. And they left it, I think, three weeks before the season ended to tell us about our contracts, whereas most academies would tell them in maybe February, March time. So they've got enough time to trial and see other places. So me and, and other, there was only one other got released that year. And we literally had three weeks to try and find a club to get a trial at. And we couldn't. We only had one. We had one trial at Wigan. And it, we had a good training session, went and played Board Vale and got hammered 6-0. And as a striker, you can't really do much when you're getting beat 6-0. There was nothing coming to me. So they didn't sign us from that there. And that's the only trial we really got to go to because it was the end of the season. So that's the only negative side that I seen from obviously getting released. I wouldn't have minded if it was around the usual time, but they left it so late. Um, and it was the, at the time when gigs took over. So there was a lot of going on in the background of the club. So that maybe could have been a reason why they weren't really focused on us. They were actually focusing on trying to get a manager for the first team or whatever it was. But um, yeah, Giggsy was the one that told me I was released. So I went in the meeting with him, him, Nicky Butt, and a, a few other like accountants and like high people up in the, the club. And they told me that just you've you've had a good uh, career, but at the minute you're just not what we're looking for. So that's when the fun began. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, even at that, like even when you're kind of coming through the academy to have like the senior manager still to have that kind of chat with you, they're not just leaving it up to, I know Nicky Paul at that time was with the academy. He was heavy yeah. at that stage and now he's moved up. Um, And how have you found kind of like the change in, in kind of like the identity for yourself? Because you can always be known as the footballer or the GAA player, the rugby player. Yeah. How have you found that going from that side of things to now becoming 
a business and entrepreneur? Yeah, so even just when I got released, it was I wasn't too bad the day I got released. I had a few expectations just due to a few injuries. Like I, I rang my dad before and I was like, look, we're getting told today. If I don't get a contract, I'm sort of expecting it here. If I do, happy days, we can push on from here. So I didn't. it didn't hurt me as much getting released because I had that feeling, like that gut feeling. But when I got home that night and in the bed and I was on my own with my thoughts, then it's all like, fuck, I have to move home if I don't get a club. I've always been known as the one that's going to go far in life, make it as a footballer or whatever. So all these thoughts started coming to me. And it was quite scary because at 18, you're still young. Like you're, you're not mature at all i still say i'm probably not mature at 26 so 18 is a young age um so all them thoughts were there and then i came home and then i had a few trials and stuff like that there but nothing really worked out for me and i played irish league which is still a, quite a good standard the northern irish premier league over here um at 18 years old but because i missed out on a lot of things from 14 to 18 i just do in ireland like the drinking the going out having the crack with your mates i caught up on that when i came home and what happened to me i gained a lot of weight I had no, like, football-wise, when you're 18 in the Irish Premier League, you're getting peanuts, maybe, like, £100 a week, which isn't something you're going to be able to live off. Had to work in a bar. So, like, all this, I came from on top of the earth, right crashing down, and I was just, like, I felt like I was nothing again. I, I just had nothing going for me. So, I was definitely in, I wouldn't say a dark place. Like, I never suffered when I, you know, like, depressed or anything like that there. Like, I've never had the, to that point. But I definitely had a dark spell where I was just constantly going out drinking, eating takeaways all the time, living up in the student halls with my mates, even though I wasn't at college, I was living up with them, just partying, just just being that that guy that just hangs about all the time. Just So I definitely went through a shit period in my life where I didn't look after myself mentally or physically, and it definitely had a toll on me. Like, as I say now, I learned from the mistakes of coming home and obviously matured a little bit, but um, I definitely had that sort of identity sort of change, and it made me just feel like I had nothing at one point. But I think that what I because I get I because I can see in your kind of content, you're kind of talking to yourself at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It you is. Can see it. You're kind of like you're like you're kind of you lost. You're kind of having a few points. You don't know what to do. You kind of you're kind of stuck in kind of will I train? Won't I train? That kind of waiting for motivation to arrive. You can see it in your content. So it's it's yeah. it's easy to kind of get into your head and get into your psyche that little bit more compared to someone else that has a different niche so it is handy for you yeah it's that's what i say as well but most of my clients that have come on with me i've been there like this is why it's not a case of i'm not absolutely burr shredded to the bone all the time i'm someone who can gain weight very easily but i also know how to do it so i've been to that point where i've been very severely overweight i've lost it i've managed that so i've i know all the the tricks, the the things that sort of come in, the blockages. The only thing I will say, I've never had kids. So with my parents that come on, I'll always say, I, I can't give you the full advice on that there, but I can obviously um, offer you from what I've learned with experience of working with parents. But that's the only probably niche that I haven't got at the minute is parents because I haven't got any kids yet. But yeah, I've been there. I've A lot of my content is aimed at people who I've gone through their pain points. I've had that similar, the similar traits that they've had. We're thinking that they're down in the dumps. They've gained a lot of weight and they don't think they're ever going to come out of it. Whereas I can assure them with the right consistency and the right patience, it'll definitely come over time. Do you think patience is one of people's strong points? I think I don't think any person in the world has patience. <laughs> like, it is, and must, I'm the same myself. Like I, every, I want everything now. That's the way I've always been. Um, but it is. It takes a lot of patience, and it's easy to say that to someone. 
then oh it's just patience 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 but you just need you need to teach them the foundations and help them build up from the foundations and eventually over time when they're starting to build and focus on the small habits they'll see the patience starts to become part of their um life and then they, they get results in the end which will help them long term for the rest of their life speaking of patience kind of like the first question i was going to ask in relation to kind of like the weight loss or fat loss side of things is you put up something recently about kind of fast weight loss isn't always better can you kind of yeah. elaborate on what that means because people were like well i want to lose 10 pounds in a day and i'm like well <laughs> i wouldn't probably advise it <laughs> yeah so the, the reason i say it is because it's become over the last well thankfully there's a lot more coaches online sort of promoting the same sort of message that we're pushing out but over the last i'd say maybe 10, 15 years, society norms, as they all been about like four week shreds, six week shreds, like all these rapid weight loss programs, which set unrealistic expectations for, for many reasons. The main reason is if you are going to lose X amount of weight in what, two weeks, it's usually going to come with putting calories very, very low to the point where you're starving. What usually happens with restriction, it's like the circle, I call it. It starts off restriction to binging to giving up and repeat. So it's like a little circle. So I always say with fat, a fast weight loss, whatever comes off fast generally will come on faster and go over to the point where you're already worse. So I think I've done a video on it the other day with if someone's losing 10 pounds in two weeks, they're probably cutting everything very low. And I use the marshmallows to explain it. And then what happens is they completely over restrict themselves they hate this they can't sustain it they hate everybody they're not happy in their life they can't sleep properly there's no energy they hate their workouts there's no sex drive they don't have a good relationship so then they start going back to binging and comfort eating again which makes them spill over and go way over to what they actually originally were so it's just a, a case of society norms trying to get pushed out of the way and understand that the fast sort of track isn't always going to be the better for long-term happiness and long-term health yeah, and exactly what you said. When when you kind of are in caught in that circle, as you've spoken about, it, and people can Google it, like that that circle is a thing. Like so, people can almost kind of blame or shame themselves because yeah. they can't they can't stick to it. It's kind of like, well, the approach is the issue. It's not you is the issue, and you're kind of like, well, I'm the one that keeps choosing it. I'm like, no, you keep choosing it because it's the only thing you think you have to do. It's kind of like you're still in that kind of like, oh, restriction is going to fix this issue. It's like, no, it's not going to fix the issue. It's kind of like if you have a leak in your house or your taps are leaking, do you still stick a Band-Aid over them yeah. and get a quick fix or do you yeah. actually go and do them? We're all very emotionally led with the decisions when it comes to weight loss or fat loss. Yeah. And sometimes one of the things I talk about a lot with clients is that perspective thing. It's like, take a step back. Kind of like almost there's one side of your body or there's you one side of the house and go into a different room and say, right, this is the non-emotional side, this is the emotional side. Which one are you going to actually take? And which opinion are you actually going to listen to? Because you can think about it on the weekends. Like, you've got the weekends now. We're recording this on a Friday. Mm -hmm. People will go out now on the weekends and kind of like, right, go full full hammer and tongs with kind of booze. And that's their choice, like whatever yeah. you want to do. But they beat themselves up afterwards. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of break that cycle for yourself? I the main thing I done was hire a coach because I I knew like I was looking online and I knew how to do it and um, I knew the basics of it all but I just needed that accountability which a lot of people do it's all well and good knowing how to watch a video or obviously we give out free information daily which is absolutely fine but a lot of people also give out free recipes daily but it doesn't mean you're going to be Gordon Ramsay and you're able to do it like that so I just think obviously I'm not saying you have to pay for a service or whatever that if you can't afford it that's completely fine but I just think having that little bit of accountability 
and the little just the guidance at the start can just push you in the right direction to better yourself like i say i hired a coach and that completely changed my whole life in terms of showing me what the best way to go about things are to live a healthier lifestyle not restrict and um, not have to track every single calorie for the rest of your life just understanding all the basics and the fundamentals helped me and then obviously i was willing you have to be willing to change that's what i always say like you're not going to make any changes by doing the same, like sticking to the same habits. You have to sacrifice something. It doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be your weekends. It doesn't have to be your family night. It doesn't have, you just have to make minor changes. Like, like I say, if it is fat loss, low calorie swaps, small things like that there. So you're not completely changing your whole life. You're still having the social events. You're just fitting it all within a certain goal. And it's just going to make a lot of sense and um, moving forward. Something you mentioned there, which I don't think is spoken about a lot, a lot, an awful lot, is is that kind of word of sacrifice. Because I think people can hear that word as like I must give up something, or mm-hmm. I must, it's like no, it's kind of weighing things up. Yeah, pardon the pun, but it's kind of weighing things <laughs> up. Is this kind of lead me to my goal? Is this making me act like the person I want to become, or is it kind of like if you want to have that extra bar or that takeaway with the family? Like I, one of the big things during lockdown, I always say, right, have a date night with your family because you're stuck with them. Most mm-hmm. people were stuck with them in the house. It's kind of like you want to might as well enjoy it or sit at a table in silence, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> could be awkward. Uh, <laughs> so like it's weighing up. But I, I like that thing that you've kind of brought up there about that sacrifice because I think people are like, well, it should be easy. This whole yeah. weight loss, fat loss thing should be easy. Everyone makes it out to be easy. It's like it's not easy. Everyone can lose weight. Yeah. But everyone can also gain weight. And as you said there, which was changing your habits and behaviors, but that's the, I, if one of us put up a program right now and said, I'm going to change your habits and behaviors, you'd literally be bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> to feed your family. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you were, if you were to st- go on a, okay, a, a cut or a diet, cause I know you're, you're in the middle of one at the minute or I just, I actually just finished up last week. Um, I done, I roughly done, I would say it was supposed to be about 16 weeks, but I would say about 10 consistent weeks, if you know what I mean. Um, but I'm open and honest with my coach. It was a case of he's gone a bit easy on me because I was balancing out doing a lot of obviously opening up my community and stuff like that there. So it was just finding that right balance and also playing football six times a week out of seven was um trying not to cut calories too low, etc. So it was just a nice balance. But yeah, I managed to go over. I started, I think I started off at 89 and I'm down to a 79. So about 10 kilos have dropped over the last six. 16 weeks or so that's decent all right is there anything that kind of stands out from that process having someone to be accountable to oh yeah it just it massively keeps you on track i think just knowing that you have to check in and obviously you're doing it for yourself like everything with um making yourself healthier creating new habits it's all for yourself but also when you have a coach you you feel like you're doing it for them and i don't think that's a bad thing necessarily because it also gives you the kick up the arse to make sure you're doing it right because um i've obviously got a fiance and when she tries to i try to coach her if she wants to go through the fat loss phase it just doesn't work because you cry like it's just i think it's did coach her though yeah i coached her for a while but it should just this is what i mean it and i understand it as well because you always say you don't want to mix work with family and um so i obviously did her interaction of a coach as well and she's absolutely nailing it with them so <laughs> this is what i mean it's just the case of having that little bit of accountability and, and telling someone you're going to do it even if you can't afford a coach i always say tell someone you're going to do something and now it's word of mouth you've yeah. spoken that out loud so you've put it into the world and that means you that person can hold you uh, accountable for it whether it's your partner your family whatever it is just tell that one person and tell them keep me on track here and uh, check in with them every now and again to make sure you're moving in the right direction 
I really like that idea because I think that whole element of kind of social support is like it's so underrated, but it's so, so important. Like, especially if someone's under financial constraints and stuff like that, you could just have a chat with your your partner or a friend and saying doing this was being careful how you word it because they could be going off every other diet. Yeah. You've ever tried. It's like, oh, they're on another diet. Yeah. This is different because I've had that conversation with a few clients in the last kind of couple of weeks, a couple of the new one to ones coming in. And, uh, she was one of the clients was out for a meal with her husband and there she was kind of talking to him and just kind of saying, Oh, I've started a new thing with uh with Shane. And he was like, Oh, what are you not allowed to have now? Uh yeah. So it it's a case of maybe they've gone through them fad diets before, yeah. so they just think this is another one. Yeah, exactly. So and that can be hard, and you can almost put up a wall straight away. It's like, well, I yeah. need the support. But it was important for them to actually have that conversation and saying, right, I'm not cutting out anything. It's like, well, what's the trick? What's the catch? It's like, yeah. there's no catch. I can have the foods. I can have drink on the weekend if I want. But it's just getting the headspace right. And I think once the headspace is is working for you, it's a hell of a lot yeah. easier. One of the big things people can struggle with is the elements of kind of snacking in the evenings in particular. Um, yeah. How do you advise people to kind of manage that a little bit smarter for themselves? I always say, and this is the like the people always laugh when I say this, and it's always a joke I say, but you're eating like a fucking child throughout the day, which is usually the reason why you're snacking so much at night. And I'm not one of these harsh PTs. I always say it as a laugh with my clients, and they, they do agree with it in the end when I break it down. But it's it's simply you're you're probably maybe skipping breakfast or grabbing maybe like a sausage roll and a coffee if you're on the, your way to work, just say, for example. You get into the office, you're working flat out and you haven't prepared lunch, so you're sort of off track. You'll grab maybe a protein yogurt because you think it's obviously high in protein, you're doing well, and maybe like a small bag of snack jacks, you know, something small, low calories, and you think that's good. And that's all you'll have for that day. So you're getting home, your hunger hormones all over the place, you're starving, you have got no real structure or schedule to your routine. So then you get home, you'll have dinner. It doesn't really satisfy you to the point. So then you're in bed, you're starving, you can't sleep, which ends up you're sitting on, then you go down, watch TV, you watch the soaps, and you just keep snacking continuously without even thinking about it. Whereas I always say, and I think I don't think it's spoken about enough, um, especially with a lot of PTs, because it doesn't sound fancy or cool, but trying to eat around the same time every day, like it's not life-changing. It's not something that's going to massively, it's not going to make you lose fat magically. But if you can nail them hunger cues down and sort of have a routine and schedule just around your work, and obviously the weekends can be a little bit different due to obviously maybe even more family time, no job at the weekend, maybe play a sport, it can be different. But see, when you're working, your schedule Monday to Friday, see if you can try and sort of consume around the same times each day. Your body will actually get used to these hunger cues and hunger timings. So at nighttime, you won't feel as snackish or packish. And then obviously, I always say snacking is completely fine at nighttime. Just as long as you leave maybe 100, 200 calories to have a little snack before bed, absolutely fine. There's nothing about that, but it's going over that and then going over that again and it's not satisfying you. So I would just say making sure you have an actual better routine and schedule with your meal timings throughout the day will massively help you curve this sort of craving at nighttime. And then also like the one thing I always say is so underrated is sleep. Um, I've spoken about it before. And like I've said, I have, I've got the luxury of having no kids at the minute. So it's easier for me to say this to a lot of um, clients who have kids. And I understand it is a lot harder. But if you can, um, if you can really nail down your sleep and just even improve on where you're at at the minute, you'll definitely see a massive change. Why do you think so many people have resistance to that planning element? Because it's definitely, you get pushback. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's a lot of people will get in self-defense mode because they're like, well, you don't know my you don't know my schedule. Like I'm busy. And I just think if you can take maybe an hour a night 
and just plan out your ne- the next day. And I know it sounds maybe not even hour. You could do it maybe half an hour if you're meal prepping quick things, or even you don't even have to meal prep. You can know what you're going to the shop to get. If you know what I mean, like small things like that. Just having a little plan. If you're not willing to invest 20, 30 minutes of nighttime into yourself, then it, it's going to be hard to make them a um, little bit of sacrifice to get results in the end. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. It's kind of like that, that, that word sacrifice comes up again, but uh, people can have like a negative connotation towards that. But it's kind of weighing up. Is it going to help you or is it going to aid you in bringing that in? One of the biggest things to try to change your clients is literally just get a shop in on a Saturday or Sunday. Because then at least that you know, right, you've got your meat, your fish or whatever, your veggies in the in the house. It'll be less likely to snack. But also you'll probably have like three or four recipes for each of those in your head. Like I don't, I see cooking as a way to eat. I don't enjoy cooking. Mm-hmm. Other people say they don't have time for cooking, which is grand. But then if you cook a little bit more in the evenings, well, then you know you're you're having that for lunch. Yeah. It's kind of weighing that up for people. And like, you don't have to be like kind of Tupperware tests I have in every single man, every single kind of recipe or everything planned to a T, but even some sort of like checking in on a Sunday, 10 minutes, just sitting down, right? What's my plan for the week here? Plan out something for you. And then that will reduce that kind of like decision fatigue when you get yeah. so tired, so emotional in the evenings when you're just stressed and you had a shit day. Like that will reduce the chances of you overeating. But as you said, like stop restricting during the day. Yeah. I'm glad you nailed that decision fatigue. I was just thinking, I was like, what is that phrase that people use? Because I hear uh, Tony McAlevey speak about it a lot. Um, or I think it's is it Mark Zuckerberg literally wears the same clothes every day because it yeah. takes away decision fatigue. He's got like a black top on a pair of jeans yeah. that he wears every single day. And it, it might sound so stupid, but it definitely does make sense because I know myself as well. Obviously, working from home, sometimes I won't plan out in advance and I'll wake up. I usually go for a walk, come home and have breakfast. And if I don't have breakfast in the house, I'm like, fuck, I have to walk to the shop here and go out to the shop and get more. And it sort of does sort of set you off track a little bit. So when I have things scheduled out and when my clients have things scheduled out and are willing to put, like you says, 20 minutes on a Saturday or Sunday to get food in and sort of plan out their week, they're the ones who will be more successful because it takes that decision of fatigue away from them and it just makes their day so much easier. And I think one of the big things that's got, it's also stopping that overwhelm that happens for an awful lot of people. And generally, like I think it's the definition of overwhelm is like losing a side of a goal. Yeah. I think it's generally what it is. How do you stop clients from getting so overwhelmed with with fat loss because i know or weight loss or whatever it may be but i think there's so many tactics you can use but how do you stop people getting so overwhelmed yeah i think when you just explain like with most of my clients i'll obviously have a zoom call or whatever it is beforehand i'm starting and just strip it down to the bare bones i'll strip it down to the basics they need to understand in order to lose fat but we also not just throw it all in the one pot and go fucking eat that there. It's a case of, I'll obviously see their experience with calorie track and I'll see their experience in the gym and all this here. And if someone's brand new to it, all I will say to them is for the first week, you don't even have to track your calories. Even just starting building a bit of veggies, incorporate little things, and then just start to build the blocks bit by bit. Because I think sometimes if you fire all the information at once, because there is a lot of information with fat loss, obviously the main driver is calories in, calories out, but that is not the sole dictator. That's the sole dictator of fat loss and fat gain, but it's not the sole dictator of your environment. Um, if you've got kids, your schedule, your work life. So there's so many different things come into obviously fat loss. But I would say if you can strip it down to the bare bones and just build foundations bit by bit, especially with people who are brand new to fat loss, 
it takes away that overwhelming sensation of information overload and then you just sort of shit the bed and give up completely. So I think strip it back to the bare bones, explain it very simply, tell them that it's overcome. It's it's easy to understand, but it's not easy to implement. So if they feel like they're struggling at the start and you've just telling them, oh, fat loss is easy, then they're going to think, fuck, I'm a failure. Because fat loss isn't easy. The, the basis around it's easy, but it's not easy to implement into your life, especially if it's brand new. I always use the sort of thing that you don't just get someone in the car and go right hit the accelerator and drive because that's just going to rev the fucking engine you know what i mean you don't just have a brand new baby and set them down and go walk because things like it's just not going to happen you know what i mean they're going to fall flat in their face and i know it sounds stupid and it is quite it's quite a funny thing to think about but it is the baby you don't just say give someone a meal plan on a gym plan and go right go fucking do that and you'll be grand because you have to strip it back and help them understand the foundations before you can build the house but there are people that do that yeah. Oh, there's plenty. There's plenty of cowboys out there that'll do that there and just tell people and give them a meal plan and give them a, a training plan and just go, yeah, there you go. I'll check in with you on, on the weekend. <laughs> and then people end up blaming themselves for them not being able to stick to it. It's like, well, you haven't been taught anything. Yeah, literally. And the other thing I will say for people out there, I would say only select maybe three or four social media fitness accounts because um, I've actually done this myself before, like with business mentorships and things like that. I followed so many th- like people yeah. with different opinions and then it started messing with my head and how to grow my business, et cetera. So if you are someone who's looking out for fat loss, um, follow only, I'd say, three or four, me and Shane being two of them, and then you'll be absolutely grand. <laughs> look, look there, that, that, that's, the, that's the caption. That's the soundbite for the video. Um, no, but it is. I think I think a lot of people kind of, like everyone's on their phones in the evenings. Like you're, you're, if it's the first thing you see in the morning is six pack Pete or big booty Betty. Yeah. And the last thing you see is six pack Pete or big booty Betty. Like that's the, that's, you, that, that can impact your, that can impact your mood because you're like, oh, I should be looking like this. But if you're looking for information from certain accounts, like there's so much shit out there. Yeah. Um, have you seen what one of the slimming clubs are doing have released as of yesterday? I was in the no. news yesterday. They've released a an injection for the weight loss injection. Oh wow! Yeah, um, look, the people like people do need it, and people do. Yeah, there are people that do need it. I'm not going to say there's not, um, but I wouldn't say that that company may not be doing it for not for their bottom line. Not, yeah, not for the right reasons. Yeah, but they, like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm weighing up. Will I will I do a video on it or not? Because. I just don't want to get fucking sued. <laughs> yeah, you have to be smart with what you're going to say these days, or else. Yeah, I have, to have the research here beside me, kind of like, will I say what I'm about to say? I just, I just don't like fucking slimming clubs. Yeah, I'm. That's very. I'm. I've got a very similar approach, and mainly because, like, I've seen it happen with family members. Like, my mum's been one of them who's literally went to slimming clubs her whole life and never got any results from it. Usually, obviously, like weekly results, and then the rebound, and then weekly yeah. results, then the rebound. Whereas now my mum's come on with me, not with me, but like I just sort of give her sort of help and stuff like that there. And she can't believe the progress she's been making in the last year. And she just like goes, I've never learned anything like this in my life before. It's it, it, Obviously, like I say, it is simple when you break it down and you f- fully get the gra- grasps with all the, the lifestyle habits. But that's not taught in any of these clubs. It's weigh yourself at half five on a Thursday which is fucking idiotic in itself, even weighing yourself during the day because you can gain near three kilos during the day with a lot of water tension, undigested food, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's, I don't want to go on a rant about this here. <laughs> work away. This is where the goal is. 
But um, no, I just think it's it's uh, it's they're always trying to get the short term fixes for the long term problems, which are never going to help anybody apart from themselves or their bank account. The one thing I'll never understand is the whole sins thing with the banana. I'll never yeah. understand that. It's like so <laughs> if people haven't, or if, or if people who listen to this are Jenny from Cinema Club backgrounds, a lot of people are, and it's kind of like a banana hole is not a sin. But mm-hmm. a banana mashed is a sin. I'm kind of like, well, you chew the fucking banana. Yeah. And that makes it a sin. That Like, it makes no sense. I don't know if anyone that one says, like, what do you expect in the fucking deep throat of, like, a pelican? <laughs> yeah. I got I got backlash. Because a lot of people are obviously, they, they do enjoy their slimming clubs, so they do sort of have a backlash of you. And a lot of people try to explain it to me. It was something as if, like, because it's, what is it, not chewed, it will be digested better so you won't be as hungry or something like it. Like they tried to explain it, but I still didn't get it. Like I and I, w- I wouldn't sit, I wouldn't sit and argue under my video. So I was just like, that's okay. I'll, I'll let you write your information. I'll just I'll read it and get on with my day. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's such a tribal industry. Yeah. It's very, very tribal. Like I'm like, if it works for you, work away. But yeah, probably be, wouldn't be reading the content or listening to this content if it had worked for you yeah um it's, we get so emotionally led by these kind of the diets and stuff and it, it, it can be like i get asked questions all the time by like people and mates and stuff i'm like i'm not giving an answer here because you're not going to listen like the one side of my air here like i'm just yeah. the first. <laughs> In one uh, the yeah exactly yeah so i think if people are looking for social media accounts and stuff i think you need to ask yourself is the person if it's particularly a situation are they giving like definitives and it wrecks my client's head when I say it depends. It genuinely wrecks their heads. I'm kind of like, I can't give you an answer here. Yeah. I don't know if intermittent fasting is going to work for you or not. Yeah. I don't know when you need to eat. I don't know. I, I don't know any of these things. It's kind of like, it's up to you. Yeah. Intermittent fasting works for me because I'm not hungry up until probably about half 10. So I'll go have my yeah. breakfast and we'll finish this. Mm-hmm. But it may not work for someone else. Yeah. You may be starving in the morning um yeah i think that's a big thing um one of the big things that kind of it comes out with people as well is the whole sentence of i'm eating healthy mm-hmm. but i'm not losing weight can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more yeah because I, I, I fell into this trap once again when i was younger it was a case of fucking eating my chicken raw no, oh sorry not raw <laughs> not raw <laughs> i would be alive right now um eating it, sorry with no seasoning like just plain chicken um a bit of rice on the side and veg with no sauce or nothing i guess because i was always led to believe when i was younger that all these things weren't healthy unless you're eating chicken rice and veg salads this is the way you're going to get fitter obviously looking for that quick fix again looking to try and lose fat as quickly as possible without learning the principles of obviously your calorie intake nutrition obviously nutrition is a massive thing healthy foods i would i never i don't really like it like you'll hear a lot of people say clean and dirty good or bad but i would i just like label as maybe nutritious and less nutritious because obviously the basis of your lean meats your complex carbohydrates your fruit and veg they're all quite high nutritious foods your donuts your crisps your chocolate they would seem being less nutritionally dense but the thing is if you restrict all of these less nutritionally dense things the things that actually give you a little bit of enjoyment in your life um, you're just going to completely restrict yourself. Like I said, we spoke about earlier, you're going to go back through that restriction, binging, giving up completely cycle. Whereas most of you have obviously probably heard if you listen to Shane on his um, great content is the 80-20 principle where you're aiming for 80% of your food intake to be obviously whole nutritious foods. Like I said, your lean protein sources, complex carbohydrates, um, 
fruit and veg, all the good stuff. And then still within your weekly calories, enjoy them things. Enjoy that little bit of chocolate. Enjoy your ice cream at the weekend. Enjoy your takeaway, maybe a wine on a Friday night with your partner. These things can still be included as long as, like I say, you control them within your calories. It is absolutely fine. And once you understand that there, and obviously don't shit the bed with just going completely mad on a Friday night and finishing two bottles of wine and saying, oh, was it within my calories, you still have to be smart. I always say there's a line with balance. Like a lot of PTs will go balance, 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 just to sort of fit a narrative and maybe grow a following because they want to help people. Be like, oh, he's a nice guy. He's telling us we can have this here. There still has to be an element, like we say again, of sacrifice. There's a balance and then there's balance where you drop way too far and balance, you go over that balance line and just completely sort of, like I say, shit the bed. So there is that fine margin of understanding. You don't have to completely cut everything out of your diet, but maybe instead of cutting all these things out, maybe add a little bit more fruit and veg in, maybe add more protein into your meals, maybe add a little bit extra carbs for your workouts, a little bit of energy, things like that. You don't always have to take away to be successful. You can actually just add more things in because the more fruit and veg on protein source you add, you're actually going to be more satiated and full. So you actually won't maybe want to uh, snack as much then, which will help you reduce your calorie intake without even thinking about it. I think what you said there is bang on, like adding things in. Too many people are trying to be, they take things out really, really quickly. And I think it's it's really important that you kind of do add things in because when people say, well, what should, what, what can't I have? Like it's one of the first questions that people come to me when I'm doing the kind of the welcome calls, like, what can't I have now? It's like, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 there's a catch. I'm like, no, no, if you've listened to the podcast and you've listened to my content enough, you're like, you're a much happier person with chocolate and carbs in your life. Ask your partner, ask your kid, <laughs> and they'll be like, so like you need to, you, it is that kind of, that balance thing is different for everyone. It's trying to find where that is. 80-20 is generally a safe place. 70-30 kind of little, give, might give that little bit too much leeway for someone, yeah. but it can be a pretty decent place for someone to start 60-40, might be taking the piss a little bit, but yeah. um, it depends is, is really the answer. Uh, again, one of the last questions I'm going to ask you is, in relation to what comes first successful weight loss or a mindset change i think a mindset change because without a mindset change and understanding the the sort of headspace you need to be in you won't have a successful fat loss journey well the only thing i will say this can change but this is different in terms of obviously people who do you know like photo shoots and go on stage yeah. they will diet so hard to the point they end up fucking their mindset up they've got the success differently yeah, but they're they're in a different world, if you know what I mean. Sort of obviously the people we are, are coaching and the the I like to call me and I'm an average Joe. And that's what I like to say. I'm not a bodybuilder, I'm not a, a, a completely a, an athlete like I used to be. I'm just an average day uh, gym goer who enjoys to stay healthy, fit, run a few bit, play a bit of football and stuff like that there. So I would say obviously the mindset thing has to be the thing. You always have to want to make the change. That's it. if you don't want to make the change, you're not gonna sacrifice them things. So when you do obviously have that option, um, I put a post up, it's absolutely okay to say yes to the takeaway on a fat loss journey. You're not obsessive. You're just, or sorry, you're not um, going off track. You're just having balance, but it's absolutely okay to also say no to having a takeaway. You're not obsessive. You're just wanting to achieve your goals. So that's going to be different for different people. So as long as you've got that mindset switched on, I know I can still have this, but I'm still next tomorrow back on track. I know my goals. I'm not just going to go completely off the rails and have a mad weekend just because I had that takeaway. So small mindset things like that there is definitely going to help you achieve your goals long term, which will give you the physique you want. 
Yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. It, it is work on the mindset. Like it's unsexy. It's it's not the bit that sells when people are just looking at transformation pictures. Like they don't know. You don't know what that person's done to get there. I never put a timeline on it either. No. Not like, well, this person's got this in X weeks. Like it's probably just taking longer than you actually think. I think a lot of people like need to accept that. Yeah, it's not 12 weeks. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's the 12. But that's what the first thing, like I had my first community call last night of the 12 week challenge. And the first thing I say, this is not a 12 week transformation. Yeah. I I make sure they know that there. This is I like to call it the twelve week health or the the lifestyle change. So you're changing your habits, and we start to build habits day by day. So I'll throw little challenges in, like we'll do like a step challenge for the week to start helping people understand they can get way more steps in than they actually are getting right now. Because everybody can, as much as you argue, I can. I can definitely get way more steps in if you put your mind to it. You can definitely do a lot more. Then some days we'll do maybe like a cardio challenge that week where you just increment a little bit more about cardio if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, small things like that. And that's week by week, you're slowly building them little habits up, which are going to give you long-term success. So transformations and like I've got a lot of transformations in my folder that I haven't posted yet. Just put down to the fact I just don't think it's needed at the minute. I, I enjoy giving out educational content and people who see your content will eventually know who you are, trust you, and then they'll come with you regardless if you've got all these um, transformation photos up. Yeah, transformation photos have a place. Some people can get annoyed by them. I think it's up to that person or triggered by them. And I think that's up to that person to unfollow that account if it does trigger them. Um, yeah. I got I got told recently to stop putting transformation photos up by a high profile person on social media. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was kind of like, they had nothing to do with fitness or anything like that. And I was kind of like, really? you telling me how to market myself? Yeah, uh, it is. I, I just said thank you, and that's all I said. Yeah, because there's no point arguing with people that got there because they, they think – it's it's just it's social media is just a funny thing it's it's a funny old game like i'll get people text me all the time telling me what i'm doing wrong and you're not allowed to do this i'm like it, it's my social media page like i'm a, i'm literally allowed to do whatever i want until until instagram give me a little you do. <laughs> as you do yeah as you do um, until instagram starts flagging me that's when i'll maybe start changing up a little bit but um it's the same as obviously if you're listening to me now and you haven't watched my content before i talk like the way I'm talking to you is the way I talk to my camera. I think it's just, I don't change the way I speak. I'd say a little swear word sometimes. Sometimes I try and cut it out as much as possible. But I've started posting on Facebook recently. And what I've re- uh, recently seen on Facebook is there's a lot of older um, sort of clientele and people on there who don't like bad language. And they've literally been telling me off and all this here. So I just find it hilarious that people are very self-centered to the point where they think someone has to change just because they don't like it. Yeah, but those same people are probably watching something on TV and watching a TV ser- series like, I don't know, like Power or something like that on Netflix yeah. where it's just these dry riding and yeah. a big porn scene and loads of <laughs> shooting and stuff. You're like, a grip. Uh, <laughs> just get a grip. I love uh, it. But, but you're exactly like, but you are exactly like you are in in real life, if you know what I mean, because yeah. some people can put up a front. And it's one yeah. thing that I definitely struggle with is trying to get, I struggle on video. I struggle to get what's in here out here yeah. on video, but on a podcast I can hide. So it's a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to talk to the camera for 50 takes to get it. <laughs> sake, those takes. That's what people don't realize how long those 30 second one minute videos actually take. 
Absolutely mental. Sometimes it could take me near half an hour when I'm switching uh, like scenes and going out the back and maybe going upstairs to a different room, carrying my little tripod with me. And I'm I'm still living with my fiance and her mum at the minute, so she just laughs at me all the time, like just walking through the house with my tripod. Oh, what's he at now? What's he gonna say? Now? Yeah, what, what's this? Thing? Like she'll go up to the school and stuff, like collect kids, and they'll be like, "Oh, I was watching Rory's videos," and she's out the back. He was with the hurley stick and the fat loss pills, and she's like, "I didn't even see him do that." <laughs> the, 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 my, I think one of my favorite ones is when you were talking about. I think it was the the shakes oh, and like this is the best shake for fat loss <laughs> went, fuck this <laughs> you're going through the window <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was my favorite video that you put up i was like jeez so like it was just the delivery of the whole thing um <laughs> but where can people find out about you on social where can people find out about you and where work and work with you Yes, so the main three sources are face or sorry, not face. Well, Facebook is their Rory Crossgrey Fitness, Instagram is our Crossgrey Fitness, and I believe TikTok is our Crossgrey Fitness as well. Um, I'm pretty straightforward. Um, the only thing I will plug if anybody is looking any um high protein, low calorie recipes, I do have a recipe book which I brought out last year. Um, and it's it's very cheap at the minute because I'm bringing out a new one hopefully in the next couple of months. So if you just want to go grab it, it is on my Instagram page in my bio. But I don't like plugging things. I don't I don't like being a salesy kind of person. That's not me. But just just something out there if you want if you want some food, nice food, there is some decent recipes in there. I'll stick it into the show now so people can decide if they want to buy it. Exactly, yeah. But no, the, the like the, I've seen some of the recipes and stuff, they are handy. Uh they're really handy, quick, quick meals people can go for. And uh yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for for coming on and no problem at all. Thank you no you bullshit. Yes, thank you so thank much. You. Massive thank you to Rory for coming on to the podcast and sharing his stories, the amazing information that he's put out there as well. So if you've enjoyed this episode at all, please do tag us up onto your stories. Please do share it with friends and leave a review up on iTunes, up on Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast. And please do share the podcast. The more people that listen to it, the more proper information is going into people's ears, the better relationship with food themselves, all these different types of things can happen. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast and I hope you've enjoyed the episode.